Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual hosts here, Josh Hartley, Ben Porter, and we've got Tom Mannering in the studio Hello. with us today. El Trione. Yes, yeah. uh, the three amigos. Triumvirate. How are we all doing, folks? Doing good, I'm doing good. Um, looking forward to Easter. I mean, it will be Easter by the time this goes this out. Be, it'll be Easter Sunday. As of recording, we'll, 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 I'll be in a chocolate-induced coma. I'll have my new Fire Slayer stuff. Yes! <laughs> we we are excited about very different things at Easter. Yeah, <laughs> evidently. Well, Fire Slayers, to be fair, don't appear every Easter. It's just that this is a particularly good Easter. Mm-hmm. For Fire Slayers. And Fire Slayer players. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which a special release fire slate that's got like bunny ears as well. That would be amazing. Missed uh, opportunities, Games Workshop. Yeah, it, it kind of takes the intimidating fire dwarf thing away from them, doesn't it? I'd be fairly scared of a half, you know, half naked burly well, dude with rabbit know, ears. Because I, I was finishing off painting uh, one of my Hearthguard units last night mm-hmm. and I was looking at the, the Fire Slayer and I'd compared them to the size of like one of my um, Hellstorm rocket battery crew. It's just like a normal human dude. Yeah, he's and they're meant to be what, like between five and a half and six foot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like an average sized man, right? And mm-hmm. then the, the Fire Slayer, like without his crest, comes up to his shoulder. It's like, if you take the scale of that, like Fire Slayers are massive. Is he wearing platforms? No, it's that, that's the thing. They don't wear shoes at all. They're just yeah. massive. Just big dudes. Big and bulky. And I, I, I'd said to Charlotte, like, they'd actually be quite intimidating if you encountered them. And then Charlotte quite rightly pointed out anything from Warhammer would be quite intimidating. I most, you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is uh, true. And I said, well, not the engineer crew guy. Because <laughs> he's, he's wearing, like, a leather coif and he's just got his hands clamped over his head <laughs> screaming. So. Aye, it's not the yeah, it's not the engineer that you need to worry about uh, when no. you when you come across them. It's the big war machine stood in front of them. Yeah, but uh, I've I have uh, I've I've been doing a bit of uh, I've I've undercoated some of my fire the some fire slayers for the Warhammer Underworlds war band. Yeah, the chosen axes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a bit of a disaster with it though. Okay, do so, tell. Right, so. Um, Basically, I was I was undercoating a few miniatures, and I was gonna undercoat them all brown, right? Um, because the paints I was gonna use, sure, like sort of warmer colours. So. Yeah, well, the, the, particularly with the fire slayers, because most of it's flesh tone, right? And yeah, that's summer catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> the spray had blocked up, right? Mm-hmm. It and it came out all at once. <laughs> 
right? And then stopped altogether. So, I, not checking the miniatures, I go to myself, right, uh, something, something's blocked up. I wonder what it is. Turn the can around to look at the nozzle, and then whatever was blocking that became unblocked in my face. <laughs> you okay there, Tom? <laughs> Yeah, okay there, buddy. <laughs> okay. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yes, yes it is. I hate when that happens. So, so you, your face gets sprayed yeah, on. Right, now, how... Now, your face was splurged on. Yeah, Ooh, now, uh, fortunately for me, yep. no paint. It was just the propellant. Yeah. That bloody stings if you get that in your eyes. Yep. Right, uh, but... As another consequence of this, when the paint had gone all over the miniatures, it was really thick. Like, there were no facial features mm. at all. Like, oh, your miniatures look like Hermel de Toro monsters. <laughs> Basi- <laughs> there, there, there was a, a space marine captain without his helmet on. He had no eyes or mouth and only a little bit of a nose. It was genuinely quite freaky. Yeah. Um so, this week, I've had my first uh, crack at uh, stripping paint off miniatures. How yep. did that go? So, it's actually gone well. Good. Um, so, if you if you ever find yourselves in this uh, in this predicament, what I used was undiluted Dettol that you'd put in mm-hmm. a bucket for, yeah. uh, for mopping, right? Uh, leave it overnight, and then uh, the following day, just ran it under a tap mm-hmm. with a toothbrush, and it, most of it just slid off. Nice. So, yeah. A happy so, ending. Uh, so, so that's been my week. Yeah, uh, good. Yeah, uh, we we played quite a bit of kill team this week as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. that was um, awesome. Because I I played um, against BM on Friday night uh, of last week, um, and that was Imperial Guard versus my space. Now I, I actually happened to bump into BM in town yesterday. Yeah, uh, it was an empty shell of a person following your match on on friday yeah it, it, it was um it's a bit of a slaughter yeah it was um it was pretty much just uh evers shanking guardsmen it's, it's it's one of the, the the problems with imperial guard right is once you can close with them they're and, quite and, squishy and you happen to be bigger than them it's um it is pretty much it's one-sided a slaughter mm-hmm. isn't it yeah um and on the Saturday, I had a, a game against each of you. You did, yeah. We all um, played against each other. Yeah, the 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 game against you was quite a bit closer. Um, you were using your guard as yep. well, though. Yep. Um, and the the I I think I think when you're playing a faction like Imperial Guard, you need to expect to to lose a few. Yeah, definitely. and I think actually you can afford. Acceptable casualties yeah. is the, the term. Yeah. Which is quite fluffy as yeah. well. I was going to say that, yeah, that's in keeping with the Imperium, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas the, the likes of um, my, my Space Marines or Josh's Death Guard, if you lose one of them quite early on, that can be quite devastating. See what... Oh, the, your, your guy's heavy bolt pistols were brutal. Yeah. Like, my close combat guy, the psychopath with the massive axe... Before he gets a swing in, just shot in the face. Horrible. Yeah. What a, what a way to go. They're yeah. nasty. Yeah. I'd, I'd better look against Josh, though, so small mercies. Oh, God, the uh, metal guns yeah. just destroyed me. Josh underestimated the close proximity of a melter gun. 
to be fair, like the guy, the guy was a better shot than I thought he was. Crack shot. Yeah, I might have rolled quite well, but yeah. But at the same time, it's like with melter guns, do you not get quite a number of shots? No, you only get the one no, shot. Oh no, it's it translates to a lot of damage. It yeah. does, yeah, yeah. It's uh, if you hit, if you're you get, in six get inches, two damage rolls, don't you? You get yeah. two damage rolls and take the highest, so yeah. it can be Nasty. one hit is is brutal. Yeah, yeah. But I I knew this about melt guns. Mm-hmm. So what the way I got around it is just avoid. <laughs> just stay out of. <laughs> well, you you can get close to them, but if they can't see you, they can't shoot you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that that but to be fair, that's one of the things that my. Warband does a bit better is just map traversal nah, with the, the grapnel launchers. Your, you have a lot of upwards and, and downwards mobility. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the grapnel launchers, which you unfortunately don't have with the Death Guard. You're a bit well, more I don't, I don't have much mobility at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, one of the things I was doing when I was playing against you in particular is um, I would move my reaver either directly below or directly above yep. the guardsman, and it's a guaranteed uh, charge yeah. next turn. Because he just drops down or just jumps up. Yeah, which gives you a great like sort of cinematic moment as well of him like just swinging in. Yeah, <laughs> cinematic <laughs> like, demise well, of a guardsman. Uh, yeah. Fluff wise, um, the reavers are terror troops, aren't they? It's, they are. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they have that rule, don't they? Give you penalty to your yeah. your uh, leadership they're, as well. They're basically the SAS of the yeah. space marines. Mm-hmm. It's uh, shock and awe. Yep, exactly. And we used Josh's new terrain as well for the, the I, three games. Yeah, I'm really chuffed with how the terrain looks. I uh, finally got it all painted up. Uh, the the most fiddly thing about it was getting all the like four hundred magnets. Love that, those magnets. It's a lot of magnets, man. Yeah. It was worth it though because it now was. it's completely modular. So yeah. I can we, we actually changed the configuration of the terrain a couple of times. We did. We so. had three different layouts for the three games. Yeah, it, it meant that they all felt quite different because mm-hmm. when when you and I played our game Tom it was more like an oil rig there was a lot of verticality yep. mm. in it but then when I played the next game against Josh it felt a bit more like a military compound mm-hmm. that's how it, I was, it was more, what I was going for more anyway. symmetrical um, yeah. and I think we only there was only one tower in that Yeah. but yeah. then we had like two catwalks either Nine. side um, so it's a really neat set. It's the Troll Trader Combat. Uh, TT Combat, it's the Industrial Hive yeah. 1 pack. Uh, and it was uh, just shy of 45 quid. Granted, I spent £20 on Neodymium Magnets. Yeah. <laughs> but but that is entirely optional. Yeah. Uh, I think... For, uh, like. I think for for what you pay for, it's pretty good value. I'd yeah. say so. I'm definitely I'm definitely planning on getting more stuff from them. But I'm, uh, my next terrain painting I'm doing is I picked up some uh, GW stuff um, while while we were there for the store birthday as well. Yeah, we, all uh, three of us went down and we we all spent a substantial amount. Let's not disclose yeah. figures. Big yeah. big monies, no yeah. whammies. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I pre-ordered all the new Fire Slayer stuff, which I was always planning to do, but I, um, I, I went a bit extravagant, uh, and I got the collector's edition battle tome. Ooh. The only difference is you get a fancy cover and a bookmark in it. But that's all the difference you need. Oh, that's it. Yeah, it's the, the disgusting display <laughs> yeah. of wealth whenever you go to go play a game. Yeah, opulence. Yeah. Yes. Hello, bow peasants. Be- I was just <laughs> going to say, bow before me, peasant. Yeah. Um, and I got the the new 
They call them magmic invocations. They're basically endless spells, mm-hmm. right? I'm glad. I'm glad that you're admitting yeah. that basically you're doing magic now. Is that That's where he goes? Yeah. Got to grow up sometime. If you can't beat him, join him, right? Exactly. No. Yeah. Um, I've got uh, the the scenery piece as well. Oh, the A forge, furnace, forge yeah. looks awesome. It's uh, it's been nicknamed the pizza oven <laughs> on the forums. Sure. Oh, please, someone do a conversion job. Oh, like, it doesn't need much of a conversion. It straight up looks like a dwarf. Oh, you could get the halfling cook models. You could, yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's a me. A... Welcome to the dwarf <laughs> world. <laughs> there's the, there's the, um, the old craggy model from the Anvil of Doom, where yeah. you've got the forceps. You could probably stick a pizza yeah, on that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd, probably, it'd probably quite easy to make a, a pizza out of green stuff Yeah. as well, right? Just make a little disc and... Yeah. I've got this weird idea for a conversion of two halfing minis done in like Mario and Luigi styles yeah. as well. Yeah. Just to really set that up. It's oh, a nice yeah. little display. Yeah. Not that they're pizza makers, <laughs> just because they're Italian, I think. Wow, just straight up racial profiling. It's not racial profiling. Wow. They're, they're, they're Italian. Pizza's, pizza is Italian, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I think it's more Italian-American, is it? Yeah. No, it's Italian. It is Italian, but I, I, do you know, I don't know where I'm going with this. We're getting off to I the don't know I, 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 I don't know why I'm having an argument as to... No, it's definitely Italian-American. Um, <laughs> you take that back. Uh, all, all our Italian listeners are deeply offended now. Well, um, guys in Italy, I'm, I'm, or, or Italians living elsewhere, I'm really sorry. Implying that they can't live outside Italy there as oh, well. Wow. Whew. Wow. Oh, Josh. Shall Sorry, we do, listeners. Shall we do the news? I think Let's we should. do the news. Quickly. Yeah, move yeah, on. Before more of Josh's racism comes out in the wash. <laughs> this started with your racism. No, I don't recall like, that I at just... all. <laughs> um, Can't believe you did the accent as well, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> right, first item of news. Um, cool many or not have done quite a few uh, video game adaptations yes. mm-hmm. for the tabletop. And uh, another one is imminent. They're going to be doing a God of War card game. Okay. Card game. Card game, specifically. No, no minis. No minis. All right. You kind of step away from cool mini or not, isn't it, when you're, you're well, making a card we, game? Well, I've, I've often quipped, like, the best the best games that cool mini or not tend to come out with don't involve... Uh, miniatures. <laughs> don't involve miniatures. That's fair. Um, Rising Sun. It's po- possibly the exception that proves the rule. I but haven't played it. that being said... You can play Rising Sun without miniatures. Yeah, you can. You can probably play most miniatures games without miniatures. Though we've had this chat before, right? The yeah. the forty k player with like the post it notes and mm. like that that sort of yeah awfulness. But I hear I hear what you're saying. That generally speaking, the best games that Cool Mini or not do don't involve miniatures. So do we know if this is classic God of War or new God of War? It's the new one because it's right, Kratos okay. on the front with his son. Yeah, his son, who's... I can't remember his name. I, I, in my head he's called Atreyu, but boy. I don't think he's called Atreyu. That's the kid from NeverEnding Story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he calls him like Boy. Is it this kid from NeverEnding Story? Atreyu is. No, but like... Are those universes linked somehow? I mean, that would be cool. Yeah, God of War meets Neverending Story. I'd play that. Oh, what's the name of the big dog that flies? Falco. Falco. Yeah. Falco yes. yeah, that section where you fight Falco. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah. horrifying. 
Just Kratos <laughs> chopped that falcon. <laughs> just giving that kind of merry just, laugh. Just, oh, just, and just slicing everyone's childhood all the real to ribbons. T- all the real time, uh, quick time events as well. Yeah. <laughs> just... Let's not go down that road. Right. So, I, I mean, I'm not a massive God of War fan. Never really played the games. I liked the original uh, oh. couple. I played mm-hmm. God of War 1 and God of War 2. Kind of disappeared off it after that. I've seen bits of the new one. It looks looks beautiful. Card game seems like a bit of an odd I suppose adaptation it... for a game that is all about yeah, like hack and slash violence. It would have lent itself really well to a skirmish game. Uh, or, well, this is why know, I'm kind of surprised that it's not a miniatures game, right? Yeah. Or an arena combat, arena games, combat, yeah, exactly, yeah, something like that, yeah, or even sort of. Uh, what's called Warhammer Quest style thing, you know, where you're kind of adventuring through a, yeah, sure. a dungeon type yeah. with Kratos so, and his son or whatever. Yeah, a bit of an odd choice, especially since it's cool many or not, right? Yeah. There's loads it's of big monsters of, in yeah. the God of War. Kind, you know. kind of their thing. Yeah. Like, maybe this is a precursor, maybe they're testing the water, seeing yeah. how big, sort of how, how popular it well, is. And yeah. Evidently, they've got the license, right? So, yeah. I mean, who knows? We'll go, they'll go with it. And it seems as though that the. Um, Video game adaptations for the tabletop are quite popular at the moment. So never bad. Thing. I, uh, they kickstarting this. It says it will launch later. There's no mention of Kickstarter, and to be fair, generally speaking, cool many or not tend only to kickstart the games with miniatures. All right. Uh, Gizmos and uh, Wacky Races got miniature other mm-hmm. games, mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, the the games that don't involve lots of miniatures don't go to Kickstarter mm-hmm. for okay. Cool Mini or not. So, uh, Lord of the Rings: Journeys in Middle Earth um, is out this week. Uh, that it's a new title from Fantasy Flight. Uh, they they've got a long history with the the, the Middle Earth license. Mm-hmm. Um, they've the, the Living Card Game, and they've done a number of uh, board games over the years as well. Um, it looks as though this is a sort of reimagining of the Mansions of Madness formula, mm-hmm. where it's essentially a, a dungeon crawl, it's a cooperative game, but the 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 real interesting component is the fact that all the AI is resolved using an app. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. Which uh, the previous, like the most recent, sorry, edition of Mansion of Madness does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's ways to resolve the AI with cards. Okay. Um, because obviously, sometimes apps are a bit behind that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Not hundred percent on that, but that's the the big selling point here. And um, I I guess for me the the appeal there is that if you're using a computer to resolve AI, it is going to be capable of far more than mm-hmm. a deck of cards oh, yeah. ever could. Without right? a doubt. Without a doubt. I think I, I think uh, that there's some um, I'm trying to think of a better word than puritanical uh, but there are some, I'm just going to go with it. There's some puritanical uh, people in the tabletop community who just spoke at the idea of involving technology in this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I, I, if it improves the overall experience, then why wouldn't you? There's this mistaken perception that that technology brings like carte blanche obsolescence mm-hmm. with it, and it's just not the case, right? Because it, our if, whole hobby is a testament to that. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, but in, in particular, we we spoke about wargaming earlier, yeah. right? 
So with the, the advent of real-time strategy games, there's probably a period in fairly recent history where folk thought that the PC was going to wipe the floor with games like Warhammer mm-hmm. and uh, Trafalgar, all those mm. kind of systems, but they still exist because the fact of the matter is that they they appear, sorry, they appeal to very different sensibilities yeah. um, within the human psyche from video games. They're, they're more tactile for one, they're a lot more creative mm-hmm. for another. Um, there's as much as a, a computer is is capable of a lot more in terms of artificial intelligence, at the same time, there's a rigidity that comes with computer games yep. that you don't have with tabletop. Yeah. If you don't like a rule, don't like something about the game, just change it there and then. Aye. If there's something you don't like about a video game, you're having to petition developers yeah. and you might never get anywhere, or you have to engineer a patch or a mod mm-hmm. yourself. The interesting thing about that as well is if you look at sort of the real-time strategy games, they've actually adopted the licenses of the tabletop games that they coexist alongside. So you've got like the, the Warhammer series. Warhammer Total War, yeah. Total yeah. War. yeah. Um, a lot of the 40K when they did the Dawn of War series yeah, as well. Right, yeah. um, so the two can can coexist and I, I think, think so. I think this is another example of that. And I think apps add a, an extra level where the developer can release... Uh, bonus content a lot quicker without you having to go to a store and buy a brick mm-hmm. and mortar expansion pack. You know they can, as you say, they can address bugs quicker. Um, they can respond to yeah. feedback quicker. There's a lot of uh, sort of corrections that can be made quicker as a result yeah. of that um, without you having to go out and buy an editor pack and things. Yeah, like that. that's so, it. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about AI and games later mm-hmm. on in the episode because I think mm-hmm. we, we've got quite a lot to say on that so we'll we'll rattle through some more of the, the news and then we'll get on that mm-hmm. so Journeys in Middle Earth that's out, looks mm-hmm. interesting hoping to get that to the table at some point mm-hmm. I think it is a bit pricey it's up, up beyond the £50 mark which it's, is a bit uh... it's fantasy flight, you pay for quality don't you yeah that's true Yeah. Um, so another pop culture adaptation, Hellboy board game by Mantic is now out in retail. Okay. Um, that was on Kickstarter last year. With a gazillion... Oh, yeah. A gazillion uh, miniatures in it. Oh, yeah. Um, it does look nice. And the, the this adaptation is quite faithful to the comics. Okay. Like, the, the mm. sculpts just look like 3D versions of the comic book characters, which is nice because yep. the Hellboy comics always had a very distinct... Stylistic flair to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see that they, they've been faithful to that. That's good. Um, again, hefty, hefty price tag with this one. Let's hear it. Go on. Um, What's the damage? I stand corrected with Journeys in Middle Earth. It is an RRP of £90. What? Uh, Hellboy. Uh, has Coming a, in much lower. A mu- much more modest price tag of £75. Um, so... I mean, wow. it's an investment, but yeah. But that box art is nice. To be fair, it in does look cases. nice. But the the so for me, the the problem I have with the direction a lot of the pricing in the industry go is going, is I could spend ninety pounds on a Lord of the Rings game, mm-hmm. or I could buy ninety pounds worth of miniatures mm-hmm. that I'm going to spend a long time painting. Mm-hmm. And will use in various games over mm. and over. 
I think they could. They're, they're, you run the risk of pricing people out with that. I I think that there's a danger that that the industry's tending towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit too much at the moment. I don't know. There's always there's always like affordable games, right? Uh, a lot of the card games are cheaper. Mm-hmm. There um, is Magic: The Gathering's pretty much as cheap or as expensive as you want. Although, let's face it. If you get into it, it's, when, it's when you started here. that, I was like, "Where's he going with this?" Um, <laughs> no, but like in theory, you could just no, that, draft it once fair. a month, and it won't cost you an arm and a leg. Well, it's the it's the same with the the games workshop games, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially now, because mm-hmm. you could argue that thirty pounds gets you a kill team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't even say you need to argue that. I could tell you factually. Yeah. No, but I, I suppose some people say that you need dice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Things, yeah, I but, suppose there's, there's the additions. Yeah, but there there is an argument that to get involved in a Games Workshop game, it's a £30 investment now. Mm-hmm. The, the trick is to have a, a friend who foolishly buys it all it. and oh, then just play with them. Yeah. Hi, right. Tom. Or, or be that friend in addition to having those friends, yeah. which yeah. is like, that's that's us. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Oh well. So, uh, last new release to discuss for this week is uh, Rise and Fall of Anvlor, which is a new Games Workshop licensed game. It's set in mm-hmm. the Age of Sigmar universe. Okay. And mm-hmm. it is a semi cooperative game where each player takes control of a faction within one of the free cities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you have to protect the city from outside threats. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to. Climb up the ladder a bit at the oh, same okay. time. Okay, so there's a little bit of cooperation yeah. to make things happen, and uh, a little bit of uh, backstabbery. Yeah, so it could be interesting, but I'm a little bit scared. Who's making it? Whiz Kids. I, I just, I, I just know that Whiz Kids did the uh, licensed Magic: The Gathering games, and they're not good. Yeah, but we'll see. That being said, I was going to say Games Workshop have a level of creative control, but they tend to let people run. Yeah, with the license stuff. Yeah, 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 go ahead. That's, which is fine when it's Fantasy Flight doing yeah. your thing. Yeah, and I, I, we did play Doomseeker recently, mm-hmm. and it's not Wiz Kids, but it is bad. <laughs> it, it's not good. Okay, and I, which I'm gutted about, because you I mean, wanted it. That to be should good. be my thing, right? Should be your jam. Yeah. So what's next? So next is uh, Modifius this week have launched a Kickstarter for a Dungeons and Dragons fifth ed supplement called Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. Okay. It is a sort of Greek mythology type supplement. Mm-hmm. So you know it's like Cerberus, Satyrs, and of course dragons um, all feature Cyclops. It actually I think I said to you earlier, it's actually really underpinning to me. Just how much Greek mythology has informed mm-hmm. all fantasy, mod- yeah, like right? everything, right? Yeah. Um, so it's nice that it's come full circle in a way, right? I it mean, has- I know I know people have had a go at ancient Greek stuff before, but this looks very polished. It looks it looks pretty stunning. It's I- got some pretty hefty names behind it as well. It does. It's um, a a triumvirate of um, ex Bioware dudes. So it's James Olin, Jesse Sky, and Drew Carpishin. 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 I do apologise for butchering your name if you're listening, Drew. Um, 
But I think this is one that we're going to try and have a look at at some point. There's, I think there's no try. We're we're looking at yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to have a, a wee chat with uh, Modiphius. Might, might the artwork looks fantastic as might well. Might even back it to be honest. But it's so it's the the these guys um, are ex Bioware staff. But just to emphasise like how big a deal they are, uh, they've worked on Baldur's Gate, Dragon Age Origins, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not not just veterans, but they've worked on some of the, the most acclaimed role playing games. Yeah. That's basically my teenage years yeah. in in three titles. Yeah. So this should should and looks as if it's gonna it be looks very stunning. good. All very stylized, like it's the sort of Greek mosaic mm-hmm. borders on all the pages. Um, it's got some rules for like campaign settings. Safe to say, guys, it uh, has it met its funding goal already within twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah. So it's it has not grossed as much money as the next item we're yeah. about to oh, talk about. Oh, good lord! But yeah, it's, we are. It's made a good amount, and um, yeah, um, maybe. Stay tuned. I think we're probably going to do a wee mm-hmm. bit of coverage on Odyssey of the Dragon Lords because yeah. it's it's one we're all quite excited about. So, watch this space. So, uh, along the same lines of Kickstarter, then who else has been uh, starting kicks? Do you want to do this one? I do. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Okay. So today is the last day of the Legend of Vox Machina Kickstarter. As of recording, as of, as of recording on on Thursday. And it has now grossed in excess of ten million dollars. Wow! Which is a lot. That's an obscene amount of money. It is. Uh, it is awesome. So, where does that put it in terms of top Kickstarters? I don't know where it sits exactly, uh, but it is the highest funded Kickstarter for a media, TV, or film project, mm-hmm. uh, beating Mystery Science Theatre three thousand, which was the last top spot on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sitting well in the top ten. Highest funded yeah. Kickstarters. Uh, I think at, at my last sort of check, it was sitting around five or six ish. Um, well, we so we were up. saying like because a, a few people are surprised that it's not the highest grossing ever, but everyone forgets that there's a lot of tech mm-hmm. on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yep, tech really climbs up there. Yeah, Big yeah. When you when when your when your minimum pledge is in the thousands, yeah. then that yeah, that kind of inflates the figure. <laughs> But it's it's awesome. Uh, it means we're getting a full series. I've backed this, so hence my my enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a full series of Fox Machina, uh, including two episodes of a completely unaired storyline. The first sort of major arc of the the Vox Machina campaign, the Briarwood arc. Um, there's loads of stretch goals that have been met as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've added a secret stretch goal for the ten million, which is one of the cast who is. Uh, notoriously jumpy is going to do a haunted house which sounds really minor but this guy's a six foot four built tank so to see him shrieking his way through a haunted house is going to be quite amusing for fans Um, uh, so that should be launching out sometime next year I believe as I released it Uh, and there's loads of swag which you guys will get to see firsthand because I'll have it I'm not anywhere near as invested in the Vox Machina thing as you are Tom but um, it's been quite interesting to observe how this has evolved from mm-hmm. an actual play stream mm-hmm. to a full-blown IP mm-hmm. in its own right. Definitely. With merchandise and all of that carry-on. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's like crazy how many people are into 
the uh, I, I'm a I'm a little bit scared of uh, <laughs> of critters, critters as they call themselves. Mm-hmm. I actually had a I had an experience. I was walking home from work uh, yesterday and I actually saw a guy wearing a critical role T-shirt. Yeah. And, like outside of my immediate circle, I've not really did you wink at him? Come across anyone? Well, he was on the phone, but I was like I was that close to being like nice T-shirt, and then I was yeah. like you're just gonna look a bit weird. And I was like he mm-hmm. probably he probably be on board with that. It's fine. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd be all right with someone complimenting my T-shirt. Maybe some people can take things weird, but uh, it it is a a very expansive community as it turns out. I mean, they they flawed the uh, convention that they attend in London, where they just completely underestimated how big a presence Aye. would be there, and apparently it was a bit of a um, how do I put this politely logistical nightmare. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, uh, people, a couple of people I know that were there said that you you couldn't really get near it because of how many people had turned up, and the convention just hadn't anticipated. So, excited about that. Uh, I'll be quiet about it now for the, the next year, guys. I'll give you a bit of a <laughs> So, last news item is the Mensa Select winners for 2019 have been announced. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Mensa Select is uh, the awards that are dished out annually uh, by uh, the American Mensa Society. Uh, they have, a, they have a, a weekend event where they get 300 of their members to come play some games, and they'll all vote on what their favourites were that were released in the past year. Okay. So, so without further ado, we have uh, five who have won the Select Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gizmos by Cool Mini or Not. We've got Gun Kimono from Renegade Studios. Mm-hmm. Planet from Blue Orange Games. Mm-hmm. Victorian Masterminds from Cool Mini or Not. And Architects of the West Kingdom from Renegade Game Studios. Um, so, a couple of things to note. Two cool mini or not games. Um, I was trying to find whether uh, the publishers have to nominate these games. Well, it's, two, it's two cool mini or not games and yeah. two Renegade Game Studios yeah. games. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I was trying to find if, they, if the publishers uh, nominate. Uh, I don't think that's the case, though. I think, I think they basically just go through the year's releases and just have a, a smorgasbord of them. Well, what's, the what's funny about, about this award is where Spiel de Yaris has a bent towards the German mm. games industry. This has a very definite bent towards the American I mean, it would appear industry. that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, because considering it's Mensa, you, you know, you're thinking that it's going to be all about strategy, right? And so it would stand to reason that a lot of the German games... Which are quite thinky would would probably appeal there. It makes me think that you have to nominate yourself for this. Well, mm. uh, when I was reading through the process on what they judge this on, right? So that there are actually a couple of criteria. Aesthetics being one of them, which um, if you know my opinion on a lot of German games, would put them right out of it. <laughs> Sorry, it's true. Um, Shots fired. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I'm not saying that they all look trash, but. But, but you're right in that there's a definite trend with German games towards like bold primary colours and mm-hmm. like very sort of Beano esque type mm-hmm. no, aesthetics. Yeah. Um, so I'm just reading through it. Uh, games are judged on aesthetics, instructions, originality, play appeal, and play value. 
Okay. So the the whole um, judging brief is completely mm -hmm. different to Spiel de Jahres. Also, Spiel de Jahres is quite a uh, small panel. Uh, this uh, panel is 300 people. Yeah. So that's a bigger pool, but not as big as, like, you know, obviously uh, we had the Golden Geeks. Yeah. Uh, the, the Spiel de Jahres panel, quite frankly, are a, a wee bit uppity about um, the games that are submitted. Like, for instance, if they're not happy with the standard of the German translations for the instructions, mm -hmm. they don't even get considered. Say that these these awards uh, across the board, none of them are as prestigious as our own awards, really. Oh, I, that goes I, without saying. I agree. The, yeah. the 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 level of judgment and uh, consideration that went in on our end really just puts these guys to shame. I think we just need to drive that home. <laughs> yep. For our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we are the only opinion you can trust, not even your own. Exactly. But, don't, uh, don't listen to Mentor. What, what have they done lately? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a I, bunch it, of nerds solving yeah. right? Wait, that's us. Yeah. In terms of in terms of the games themselves, so uh, Architects has had a fair bit of buzz about it. Is this the first award that Planet has has got in this sort of awards season? Um, it, it's. I think it's been nominated for a few, certainly. Yeah, I really liked Planet. Like, I'm glad it's got something. It's yeah. a, a very, really, uh, and like top marks for uh, aesthetics on that game as well because it looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, we played Gizmos for the first time the other night as well. Yeah, it was uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to have another go at it. Uh, very flashy. Very like it looks very nice. Um. Which we've come to expect from Cool Mini or not? Mm -hmm. um, I, I enjoyed it. I, it didn't blow me away, but I'm being very quiet because I have not played a single one of these games. No, the the only two I have played are Gizmos and Planet. Mm. Um, Architects does look very good, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. Victorian Masterminds and Gun Kimono, I, I can't really speak for them. Victorian Masterminds, frankly, wasn't even on my radar. So no. Like, neither was Gun Kimono, if yeah. I'm being perfectly honest. But I saw quite a few people playing Architects of the West Kingdom at Aircon. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks really good. Yeah. So we're we going to talk about uh, AI. Yeah, I'll, t I'll talk about AI. I do think that, particularly for cooperative ga um, cooperative games, mm -hmm. AI is a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and and when we talk about AI, just to be clear. We're not explicitly talking about things that are powered by a computer. No, it's uh, it, it's very common. Very, to... very literally, artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. which yeah. can be emulated with a deck of cards. Yep. Deck of cards is how tabletop Dice. games usually do it. Dice as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I, can we get off the top of uh, off the top of your head, Ben? Can you think of any particularly good or bad examples? Um, the the Dark Souls AI deck mm -hmm. serves as both a good and bad example. <laughs> we kind of emulated the sort of broken AI of the Dark Souls games. Yeah, because because there there was a way in the 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 first um, in boss encounter in the Dark Souls mm -hmm. board game mm -hmm. that we were able to sort of wedge the the boss in a corner. 
that he couldn't figure out how and to get out of yeah. it. Okay. It was like so, the board game glitched on we, us. We, we basically found out a chink in his AI deck and we figured out that if we sort of corralled him into this corner, mm-hmm. he would just keep hopping between these two spots, not doing anything, and we could just like stab him in the bum until he died. <laughs> Good um, times. Good times. And I suppose, But I suppose, although you know we arguably got lucky in that encounter... The, the problem with having like, a deck-driven AI is that if you play that game enough, eventually you're going to learn it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the you can mitigate the randomness mm-hmm. to a certain extent as well with careful planning. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've got um, good AI, like, for instance, in a, a video game, mm-hmm. the... You can. It's it's funny because it's a sort of mirror of the argument I made earlier about if you if there's something you don't like about a tabletop game, you can easily remedy that. But it's a problem with a video game. Conversely, with AI, because it's on a computer, because a, a computer's making all those calculations, and you can, the algorithms that you can put into a computer for AI are infinitely more complex mm-hmm. than anything mm-hmm. that you would be able to emulate with a deck. Mm-hmm. You'd have to have a humongous, really complex deck of cards to get anywhere near what a computer is capable yeah. of yeah. creating. Yeah, right? definitely. Right? For, for me, uh, the one of the greatest recent examples of um, enemy AI in a video game is the, the Shadows of Mordor and Shadows of War mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Where it's like if you keep using a certain tactic against an orc, he starts to learn Aye. and responds to yeah. it. Um, it's even things like if you if you kill one of the orcs by fire, he comes back and he can be like branded by it, or you yeah. might have even embraced the the manner of his death, and mm-hmm. he's running about with fire himself. Mm-hmm. Um, bit harder to do that. Very tricky to do that for a for a tabletop game, right? I think some some games, uh, legacy games, try to bring an element of that in. I think so. Where cards that you you gain or whatever will will sort of move into the deck and they can potentially mm-hmm. alter the enemy's AI or expand the AI. But as you say, there's there's a limit on what you can do with a set of dice, a deck of cards, you know, even a, a book that that goes alongside mm-hmm. it. Um, bringing a, an actual digital component into it, so an app, uh, a program, whatever it is certainly expands your you, uh, options. Do you, do you think there's a drawback to to maybe resorting to apps for, for AI? I don't think there's a drawback as such. I think you maybe lose a little bit of the literal tangibility of it, of having that deck of cards, you know, with all the different pictures and things, and, and you can't really pass... I mean, you can pass a phone around, say, if you've got it's an app on it. It's not as tactile, but it's not the same as, as passing cards and things no. like that. Um, but there's, I think, there's arguments on both sides. I think, I think the the viable concern that a lot of um, people that are skeptical of the the use of apps within tabletop game quite rightly have is that you run the risk of having people buried in their screens mm-hmm. rather than interacting. With the, the well, game. Uh, the, the other thing that I thought um, was, I mean, it's all well and good uh, because every, almost everyone has a smartphone of some description now, but what happens when these smartphones become obsolete by whatever technology is well, around? I would personally 
like to be able to play my board games maybe in 50 years time and if i can't find a working version of an app that i need Mm -hmm. then that that uh, board game has just turned into a collection of card yeah that's that's a valid point if if you go back now and try and play an old pc game that's not been supported since it was released you might struggle to get that onto onto a PC and get it up and running. Particularly the online ones. Yeah, oh, the yeah they, lots they, of the servers are dead. Yeah, they just shut the servers down yeah. when they're done, right? So you, you are basically entrusting that that um, board game company are going to maintain that server, keep it updated, and keep mm. it updated with operating software uh, in the, the long term. You know, you can go and get a, a copy of Monopoly out from 1970-odd and still play it now, as long as the pieces are all there. Um, you, you probably won't be able to do that with something you get now in mm. you know 50 years time i mean there's there's mmos that don't last more than five years mm-hmm. we support and they've got money flowing into them yeah uh you're not going to have the money flowing in that's going to justify supporting that 20 years 50 years down the line yeah so it's a valid point yeah i, I think that's that that for me is the main drawback it is cool though I, I, and as you say you can you can achieve things with an app that you just could not with a deck of cards or realistically achieve I think the best way to approach it and the way I would hope board game companies would approach it is try and get the best of both worlds. Mm. So have it so that the app is there, but it is not essential. Yeah, it enhances, Yeah, but doesn't detract from the yeah. experience. It's, it's, right? You can use this, and this will add additional elements, but if you want to play without it, you have everything here mm-hmm. to do so. Um, there's potentially other decks that you can use on the app. You know, There's other ways you can play through the app, but your core game is still there, and there's an option to expand. Yeah. Best of both odds. I think so. I think um, I think I've said to you guys before. I'm I'm probably gonna write some sort of article mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. about this because I've got quite a lot of thoughts on it. Because um, it's like you could write books on the subject. Mm-hmm. It's... AI is a scary, scary thing for me. Yeah. Okay, Grandpa. I don't like the it, it. I just, I just find it the 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 idea of technology developing more complex thought. Just you, you think there's a, a Skynet on the way? I yeah, like I that's a genuine thing, right? Is it? Is it a genuine thing? I don't think it's fictional. Do you know what? Right, you're laughing now, but see come. <laughs> See, come the day, come judgment day. <laughs> come the robot that, apocalypse. Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah, who'll be laughing then? Yeah, exactly. Well, no one. Well, the, yeah. So, the, you know, we're all standing before the robot overlord. <laughs> Josh just stands up, goes, just, ha, ha. <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just there like, just, just for the record, guys, I was right. I called just this. Called it. One hundred percent. Everyone like in their sackcloth and ashes just turns around and glares at Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Called it, but did nothing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I warned everyone oh, on well. this podcast. <laughs> so, so do you realize, the rest of the world do you not realize doing the anything? hypocrisy of warning everyone about the robot uprising through digital technology on a digital podcast? Look, I never, I never <laughs> said I wasn't a hypocrite. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, shall we call it a day? I think so. <laughs> uh, we have to go away and deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, until uh, until next time, or the robot apocalypse, guys. Uh, you take care. Have fun. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Oh, my God.